Welcome to the Silent Elephant Project podcast, where we have conversations with everyday people living with life-limiting health conditions. We are not claiming to be specialists, but we are offering a therapeutic space to build dialogue around marginalised health themes, giving you the opportunity to listen in. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to Getting to Know M.E., a podcast series about living with or caring for somebody with myalgic encephalomyelitis. Our first Silent Elephant Project podcast, then known as The Corner, was in August 2019 following the launch of the Fresher B short film Why Me. Following on from this first episode with Meg from Millions Missing Manchester, the Silent Elephant Project podcast relaunched in January 2021 with Getting to Know M.E., being released monthly. Over the last six months during the COVID-19 pandemic, we have found a way to capture these recordings remotely. I have talked to people of different genders, ages, locations, and backgrounds, but one thing brings us all together, living every day with a marginalized health condition, myalgic encephalomyelitis. On today's episode, I am talking with some of the Fresher B team about the progression of the podcast and how important it is for us to continue telling these stories. Joining myself today is Babs, Fresher B CEO, Lucy, our podcast producer, and Sarah, our social media manager. Our first episode back in January, titled Long COVID, gives you an introduction into who I am and what ME, short for myalgic encephalomyelitis, is. I also touch on similarities between ME and long COVID as research shows that one in five people who tested positive for COVID-19 have continued to experience symptoms labeled as long COVID, the same symptoms that those living with ME suffer with every day. I know you've known me for a very long time and uh, you know I have ME, but do go ahead and share your reflections and yeah, your findings so far. Yeah, I think it's quite, um, it's quite rich to see how um, long COVID and um, myalgic encephalomyelitis goes um, hand in hand. I, I personally believe that on this journey of doing the podcast so far, I've learned so much about the immune system and how it responds to um, sort of like alien conditions in the body. They almost respond in almost similar fashions and um, they have same um, symptoms and side effects. And I feel like you know, this was just another opportunity for me to see the similarities between long COVID and um, ME. And I just feel like, yeah, you know, very eye-opening. I've drawn a comparison on ME and long COVID. The symptoms of long COVID are meant to be similar to that of ME. Like maybe that will help with the research and the awareness that is focused on ME specifically, so. Oh yeah, absolutely. And funny thing you say that um, there was a big piece of funding that was released basically to investigate the effects of long COVID. And because of that, a lot of people in the ME community were excited because they know how that's going to help finding further research and, you know, uh, treatments for ME itself. So in a weird way, you know, everything hopefully works out well, but nobody wants to see anybody obviously being diagnosed with long COVID or even ME just any of those conditions. So hopefully it can speed up the research process and the search for answers, basically. And yeah, just to add to that, I believe that it it builds, my favorite word of 2021, emotional intelligence in regards to people relating with 
people that have uh, marginalized health conditions like Emmy. So I think um, that research into long COVID will help people to start to connect the dots and um, hopefully build some more emotional intelligence. In the follow-up episode titled Living Not Existing with ME, I spoke with Tony who set up a support group called Salford and Trafford ME Group, which can be found on Facebook. Tony shared the importance of living not existing with ME and how being part of a support group allows you to meet others in a similar situation. I remember listening to it for the first time and hearing him talk about the diagnosis process and how long that took him. I think it was like 10 years until he got his final diagnosis. And I guess that just made me realize like, not only are you living with the condition, but you're also kind of fighting to get the answers for it. And kind of hearing how that experience went for him and almost like, I think he was like saying his doctor had never diagnosed anyone with ME before. And kind of hearing that from a professional must have been like quite a big thing to take on and to understand yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. It can be very, very challenging. I know the diagnosis journey itself. Yeah, I guess Tony, I can really feel for him when he said that he felt guilty about stopping working. It really makes you put into perspective how much ME can affect you to make you stop working. To bring Tony on board, I knew how difficult that was because he's a busy man. But we brought him on board and for him to speak about it so candidly was, um, I felt like it was really the the blueprint of what we wanted the ME podcast to be about, which is creating that space where people can connect, but also building that power in a collective. So I feel like well done on bringing him in, Converting. Oh yeah, sure. And for me, whenever somebody says yes to taking part, it means they're going to add to inspiring others. But more than anything else, it gives us an opportunity to further reflect and as I call it, a therapeutic hotspot. Because personally, I'm always learning something new. Even though I've, I suffer from ME myself, but I'm always learning something new from somebody else. And whenever I do that, it means I can improve on myself. But then also, if anybody else asks me any questions, I'm able to give more. The next episode, titled A Spoon at a Time, saw me talk to Shelley, who also runs the Salford and Trafford ME group. Shelley shared coping strategies such as the spoon theory and her passion for music. Yeah, so Shirley was really interesting. Um, I'd never heard of the spoon theory before. And just the support that her family gives her is amazing. And the fact that she goes to festivals and stands on her feet all day, like even I couldn't do that. So I don't know how she's putting herself through it when she does know the next day she might not be able to move. So yeah, Shirley was really, really inspirational. And it's really nice to know there's people out there like that. I would say the spoon theory, obviously, which is, you know, one of the things that, that stood out. And that's why we have the spoon images <laughs> well done sarah <laughs> on that i feel like i when she spoke about it it almost made me think about a video game and how you have lives within a video game and i and i thought the spoon theory perfectly um showed your levels of managing your energy or how to manage your energy when you have emmy i think kondwani living with kondwani and you know seeing him every day how he manages his energy i can see how the spoon theory works alongside that because there are a couple of things you can do and once you're done it's just it you know Kanwani will use the word tapped out I'm, I'm tapped out and once he says I'm tapped out I know what it means it just means that all the spoons are gone <laughs> literally all the spoons are gone and it's just yeah he's tapped out so I felt like um, Shirley really 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 uh, put that in some kind of like a visual representation which was really good 
touching on the spoon theory like that was a really key part of that episode because I'm a very visual person like I think in a visual way so when she was explaining it it really helped me it actually helped me to make the visuals for that podcast like it was so clear like she was talking about each task being a spoon's worth of energy and how that would she had to manage it and sort of plan ahead to be able to know how many spoons she had left for the rest of the day. So that helped me in creating the visuals for it, which was really, I absolutely loved that project, doing the little stop motion, getting the spoons (laughs) out of the drawer. It was great, it was great fun and it really like solidified it. And that actually made me think more about, I take that for granted, I don't have to think like that so much, or at least I don't, but like I can imagine how a person who has ME has to then factor it in time and energy and like that is something that I've taken for granted so and also coming back to the family and support I've noticed how that's a massive theme that runs throughout each of the episodes makes you appreciate your own family and the support that they give you and when you're in need like they're the people that are always there and they're the ones that are always going to have you back so it made me reflect and look at my own family and friends and covid and how that experience has been so yeah it was really nice and that's exactly what we want like what you just said is people who are even you know they're able-bodied they have you know family they're able to reflect on the wealth of sort of like relationships they have and appreciate those relationships and i think you are a perfect example of you know how we want people to respond to these podcasts so yeah absolutely um babs has said it all and i've said it before as well but it's creating that environment isn't it and that reminder of the togetherness we're only human and so humanity really it's the key for us to thrive both as individuals and as a collective The next episode interview has two episode parts and saw us jump from Manchester to North America, USA, New York City. In the April release episode titled Sandbags for Muscles, Cody shared her diagnosis journey of ME, her experiences of giving birth and being a parent. I'll say with regards to Cody, I was struck by the amount of bars she was spitting. She was saying so much stuff that I was like, oh, I'm taking that quote, I'm taking that quote, I'm taking that quote. I mean, the main one is about her having a kid, really. And from a woman's perspective, because obviously Kundwani is, you know, the father of his son. And, you know, that's from a male's perspective, but a woman who carried the life, you know. Myself, you know, I have a son. I've seen my wife carry life. And I have looked at that and I said, I can't do that. <laughs> you know, I've looked at my wife and I said, you're stronger than me. You're actually stronger than me because I can't carry life. And to think about, you know, someone with ME, a risk on their life to carry life but the rewarding aspects that she's probably feeling of having you know having a kid i would say it's second to none i i would just say it's 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 blown my mind away and i respect cody beyond respect like the fact that she was able to carry life put her life at risk and birth a kid and you know being a father like one of the most rewarding feelings you'll ever feel in life i mean for me personally i'm definitely very biased on that <laughs> you know <laughs> but yeah you know and for her to carry that life wow 
so yeah i am definitely blown away i really really respect cody and that's why we had to do two parts not even shocked that you know we could have probably done three or four if she probably kept on talking and the, i think the response that kundwani has received just from the messages she sent to kundwani and giving her the space to speak so candidly about her, her me this is why we do this podcast so yeah Absolutely. And uh, now that I recall part of the conversation, she did mention that I was the first person she spoke to in terms of somebody else having Emmy and, you know, outside our circles and everything. And that was very telling. And it got me to even reflect further of how impactful, even though we are based here in Manchester, that, you know, the voices that we share on this podcast alone reaches global. You know, and if anybody out there, even even though you're a carer, which is why we invite carers and those who are affected, you know, it's it's all about sharing the stories from a lived experience aspect of things, and that's very very rich and telling in itself. I just found it to be a really honest and personal account. She was very open about her experience with it. She was talking about how she's still coming to terms with accepting it, and I think about having that conversation with you actually helps in that process because she was saying how much she looked up to you to as in how you accept it and how you deal with it like that was inspirational to her so having that conversation with you I'm not surprised it went on for as long as it did given the fact that you're talking about something you have in common and that you've you've have a lot more experience of dealing with I guess in that way so I, if I put myself in a position where I'd been newly diagnosed with something and I was to talk to someone who had a lot more experience, I'd find that really comforting to like have that support and have that conversation. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with everything that everyone else has already said. But what blew me away, what Cody was saying about a diagnosis being in the US. So obviously people in the US have medical bills and other people have said it as well in these episodes diagnose an ME is the process of elimination but with America where you have to pay for your appointments and things like that she was just racking and racking up bills and she couldn't work and she was feeling guilty about putting the pressure on her husband and the family and that was just really powerful because obviously here in the UK and everyone else who you spoke to it's been a long process getting a diagnosis and different doctors and different specialists but we've got the NHS, which is fantastic. So it was really just shocking to hear how much money she's had to spend on even just getting this diagnosis and not even the the support that's meant to follow it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And you know, like when you think about health, which is back to that saying, health is wealth. It's always when, I don't know what it is, but I guess it's human experience, isn't it? When you're finding the position where you need something, then you realize how either fragmented some things are, but more than anything else, how much you need for you to solve the problem that you're facing. And it got me thinking of how different it is the setup in the US and the UK, because obviously they're different systems, but there's still people were still accessing the health. And for me personally, because it took me over a year for the doctors to say, right, it's officially ME, again, like you mentioned, um, Lucy, process of elimination. Um, Initially it was frustrating, you know because you're in that phase of the diagnosis journey itself and you feel all these feelings and your life has been flipped upside down i experienced a paradigm shift because i had it all mapped out you know i was about to finish my studies and go work and do everything else and then suddenly as babs would like to say throwing a spanner to the works (laughs) and so going through that in itself it was um yeah it took me back to that moment and i could share and i kind of feel how cody in in a sense was feeling herself because she's still in it 
Whereas for me, I'm still living with it, but I've gone through almost nine years now. But then when I look back, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting struggle. So yeah, access to equipment and health and everything else, it's, it's very, very important, but it's again, it's going through different phases of um, diagnosis and acceptance in itself. I'll ask you a question, Kanoni. Since it's all about us reflecting, what about you? So I say from a parenthood perspective, how do you view Cody's response to wanting to have a kid and having a kid and then post having a kid? It kind of moved me, to be fair. I think at that point of the podcast, we're having the conversation. I kind of sat up and paid more attention because it's something that I was only falling into it. But then from a man's perspective, as being a father, right? That's whole different. For her, when she was sharing it and just the thought of it, it's almost like there's a lot to lose. So then you have to decide, do I take a risk? Do I not? There's been a few people who've shared their feelings and different groups that I'm involved in. And they're very anxious about doing, going through, you know, starting a family. And it's because there's so many things to factor in because from the get-go, Emmy is already life-limiting. Now, how much more life-limiting can it be when one, you're carrying a child, and then two, when you have the child, now then you've got that extension to life of responsibility, in a sense. So that's a lot to think about, but when you think about all those things, for, for a normal person, it's, it's all right, because you always think, you know, just go from point A to point B. But for somebody who's already limited in their life altogether, that poses a big challenge. And for me, it's, I really thought of her as a hero, in a sense, as the saying goes, because it's, it's a lot to take and decide. And she went ahead with it, and she's very, very happy. And, you know, the daughter is beautiful, and they're amazing family. But just having that resilience and going through all that, just the thought of it in itself, yeah, it's a lot to take and a lot to comprehend, to be fair. In May, which is also a month of ME Awareness Week, I spoke to Charlie, founder of ME and Me website and organizer for Millions Missing Leads. After being diagnosed at a young age, Charlie is passionate about fighting for those with ME to be heard. Hence the title for this episode, ME and Me. Basically, because she was diagnosed at a much younger age, that's different to any of the sort of previous episodes that we've had. So she's had to sort of grow up with this condition and I feel like knowing that and the fact that she's so passionate about raising the awareness and like she's kind of taken it and seen it as a thing to do good with and is actively sort of raising the awareness of ME as an as a young adult but like she says also kind of living a life for herself so it's like a big part of her and who she is but she's also living the life that she wants to live. I'm the same age as Charlie and just hearing what she goes through every day what she lives with while actually still working in her dream job and advocating for all these other people with ME I just don't know how she fits it all into a day to be honest but she just sounds like a really strong person and obviously it's so nice that she reached out to you first because it means that what we're doing, sharing these stories, it means that people are hearing them and people are seeing them and it should be helping a lot of people as well. Definitely, definitely. Um, and yeah, because even in, the, in our conversation, I remember when she shared how initially she, she had to work. So then I asked actually, how is it that you manage at work? Because it's a full-time role. And she did say she does speak to, she's, she's constantly in dialogue with her team members and everything. And if she thinks she's gonna struggle or she's struggling, she just speaks to them and they understand. Now that to me is powerful because 
very few people understand your situation and they can only understand it up to a certain point. But for her, she's actively got them involved and she's, you know, she shared her own uh, struggles with Emmy. She is a firecracker. She's more than passionate. She's one of the first people that I've ever seen that is so, so proactive in everything she does with Emmy. <laughs> you know what I mean? With the people that, you know, from everybody that we've sort of interviewed so far, she has been the most proactive person in the sense of like she put us on a blog post. For her to be leading the millions missing in Leeds, and I know how hard it is to, to pioneer and start something, even for people who are you know, don't live with Emmy, people that are just able-bodied regular folks, it's quite difficult to start something and try to create a wave. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I'm actually just finding out that she's working full-time as well, which is kind of weird, because, you know, we know how much you have to manage your energy. From what we've learned so far from Emmy, you have to manage your energy um, through from the spoons theory. I'm just wondering how she manages herself as well. The conversations we've had both on the podcast and off the podcast shows me that she is a there's no other word I can use just a firecracker she's just going for it um, and I and I really I like people who are go-getters I, I respect people who are go-getters and people who pioneer and start stuff and I just believe that you know you no, know, this won't be the last of the time you hear from her on our podcast but also with the things that she does we probably will be doing more stuff with her as well so um, I look forward to more collaborations with with her no, absolutely. And she did insist on that. Because um, one of the highlights as well that she shared was the fact that she always has a plan ahead of time. So she'll have color-coded <laughs> and arrangements of, you know, the, the schedule and the calendar and the general things to do. And within that, she she always makes sure she puts moments to rest. So I remember initially, we, meant, we had a date to record the podcast. Unfortunately, I was the one that was unwell. So we had to rearrange it. And then the other time that we, then we we're going to rearrange it, I had to cross check with her to make sure she she's actually available because i know she works full time so there's all those different pieces of her day that she has to dance around with and that's another thing you know somebody who lives with emmy because the life is already limited and compromised there's a lot more things to think about ahead of time just so that you avoid a crash and or a, a huge relapse i say huge relapse because relapses relapses come and go and that's because I, I do experience that but it's always like trying to think ahead of time and back to the spoon theory how many spoons you can use but then not only that what other things you have to accomplish tomorrow next week so then if there's a big event next week then you know which days you're gonna avoid it's not a guarantee but it buys you an opportunity to be able to execute what you want to do so there was a quote that she said um to answer one of babs's questions in that I manage my AME symptoms by being incredibly organised and that's how she'll get through her day. That's something I can learn from. <laughs> that's my two friends No, I think, yeah, organisation is such a skill that can be learned and, I mean, she's done it to a fine T, hasn't she? Like, if you can plan your life in such a way that you can manage not only a full-time job but being so active in a cause then I definitely have no excuse not to plan my days and just have a, a basic plan but yeah I think that's inspiring to see someone being so proactive and it doesn't it kind of shows you that it doesn't just happen like things don't just happen you have to make a plan for something to take place so yeah that's in this final episode, we reflect on the second part to Cody's interview titled Art and ME. 
Cody highlighted how she uses art as a support system, the love she has for her daughter, and how ME has kept her grounded but also allowed her to grow as a person. I know being creative is one of the most potent tools of coping with life-limiting or long-term health conditions. I myself am a living testament to that. It's influenced everything that I do. Every part of my being is about being creative. And so I will always resonate and will always champion people who believe in using some kind of creativity, some kind of art to cope with anything and express yourself. So yeah, um, I would say Cody has definitely showed us another example of how being creative works perfectly um, in line with a life-limiting condition. So in this episode with Cody, she talks about how it's okay to ask for help and how how much people with ME have to ask for help even if they don't want to. And it's just about learning to accept that help. So if you're having a bad day, so I know with UConn, if you're struggling one day, I know Babs will step in and help you. And that's what it's all about. It's about having these people around you who can support you and can help you with what you need to do. And that's how teams should work together. And Cody just highlights it really well that it's just so important to have the right people around you. That's really nice to hear. Like, I think that's explained it really clearly. But I was going to sort of focus on the arts side of things because that's something that I personally relate to. Like being creative or doing something creative is my place of getting away from it all. It helps me de-stress. It makes me feel better. Um, and definitely through lockdown, through COVID, that has been my sort of an outlet for just sort of getting through it I guess like whatever it might be I've been doing all sorts of different things like knitting creating animations painting making t-shirts all different things but they all have one thing in common which is it's a creative thing to be doing and yeah I think I can relate to how that's so important to her and how that helps her with the ME and one of the things well we've all talked about art but art is very very powerful and that, that one thing's for sure, it's, it's helped me, you know, in being creative, you know, through obviously using the tools of video production, for example, amongst other things. But yeah, um, being artistic or media-centric, whatever you want to call it, um, it's, it's a beautiful way. And I like to say this, but, you know, before I was diagnosed, I would tap into it, but not as often as till I was diagnosed. And it's because I really needed to be, to escape that, kind of confinement, I would call it, that the illness itself imposed on me. So obviously, I have shared this before, when the doctors told me, right, uh, there's no cure to ME. Some people get better, some people don't. And when I had those two things before me, I, you know, upon reflection, I went with the assumption that, right, if I wasn't gonna get better anytime soon, how can I live my life so that I'm happy, but not only happy, so it's a fulfilled life? You know, and those are the kind of questions that come through your mind. And when I made that decision and I knew exactly right, making sure I I kind of forget about the negative effects of the symptoms, it was a big, big win for me because it meant I could function and accomplish something. Every day is different, but accomplish something. Now, reflecting on that and ME, what is it about ME that stands out for you guys? I guess how everyone kind of experienced the same symptoms when it comes to the fatigue and the general symptoms but how it can just affect everybody so differently so one person might do this thing and it won't affect them 
really that badly and another person might do it and it might put them out of action for a week and I think that's something that a lot of us who don't suffer with ME do take for granted how there's just some things that you guys can struggle with and we won't know unless you tell us and that's why it's just so important in these episodes that we're all just educating ourselves and we're all learning and we get to tell these people's stories who otherwise like coded just don't speak to other people about so it's just really nice to be able to give people this platform yeah definitely agree with that i think it affects people differently like i think similar symptoms but there's just so many different sort of manifestations of how they respond to these symptoms so like one of the biggest things that i've learned on this journey was when we put out the post on 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 twitter and it was um had the flickering on and then people came back and said you know um some people would end me um in my struggle with the flickering and i think that in itself is a learning and discovery process that we always make sure we we explicitly say at the start of every podcast which is we are not specialists we are just regular folks just trying to unpack what it means to have certain kind of health conditions and basically give people a space to talk about it and i definitely resonate with what lucy just said yeah you know we are basically learning as it goes and this is the kind of learning i like yeah i think it is a process in itself like hearing everyone's stories there's common themes of like family support friend support being able to pace yourself and energy and i think just people being honest and people kind of sharing their personal stories is a really powerful thing to hear and to kind of understand even though this condition is something that is shared amongst everyone in the series there's different symptoms involved there's different sort of responses to it but I think overall like everyone's mindset and attitude is so positive and it just shows like the strength of a person when they can remain positive through something that is causing such limit to their lives obviously you've been involved in recording and interviewing everybody and how we've spoken about Cody and how this has really helped her have like a sort of outlet to talk about it how have you felt about speaking to all these people how have you felt at this point has it changed your mindset or how you feel Oof, I mean, there's a lot I can share and talk about, really, that's on my mind. But really, to, to quantify it in there, every story has had a unique impact on me. It's, it's all been positive, so that's great. But it's really allowed me to kind of delve deeper into areas of myself that I did not know, believe it or not. And whenever I hear coping strategies that each and every individual I've spoken to, they've shared, for example, um, I've always picked up something and I'm quick to implement because I know how beneficial it will be for me. And there's some things that obviously they've shared which has been very unique to their own lives, but their whole journey of how, let's say, they've gone through their own ME diagnosis, how they cope day to day, it's opened my eyes further to really understand how varied and how actually more life-limiting the people I've spoken to go through. Because I personally, as I've shared in the past, I was once bedbound and believe you me it means bedbound is in the word itself and then i became housebound now at that point of being housebound it meant i'll be i'll be going out and about a little bit 
but then I could just about function in terms of even socializing, let's say people in the room and stuff, because before that it was way too overwhelming. So there's certain elements of the symptoms and the limiting nature of ME itself that, that comes through. And so from all these stories, I had to reflect back, which was very helpful for me because it it's been very therapeutic. Um, and obviously the, the one, one of the things that has been a takeaway home for me is how, again, unique ME is to each and every individual. And more than anything else, it's an invisible disability. And yeah, hearing people's stories being shared uh, not only impacts me positively, but I believe other people as well because I've had feedback. We've had feedback, you all know, and the work, amazing work you guys uh, are doing and we're doing here as a team at Fresh IB is what we want. Um, hearing those kind of stories and sharing with the world really because if I knew about ME when I got diagnosed, um, I think I could have coped better, but I found it a bit later, and I'm feeling a bit emotional right now. But yeah, all I can say is good job on making our lives a lot much more enlightening about Emmy and all the work that's gone into yeah. it behind the scenes. Like we were talking about this before, like you see the final product for everything that goes on behind the scenes and the planning and being able to do all of that. Yeah is massive so it's been great thank you very much guys thank and you you are an amazing team <laughs> and support network babs lucy and sarah thank you very much it's been great you know once again to, to have time and you sharing your your time and reflection on the past six months on the getting to know me series the silent elephant project wants to use more real life stories to raise awareness of these marginalized health conditions such as me and if you live with or care for somebody with ME, please get in touch on social media at FreshRBCIC. Other than that, feel free to contact us via our website, freshrb.com.